0: Welcome to the Morning News podcast for Wednesday, August 19th. Thanks to COVID-19, we've slowly built new routines centered on being at home, but as we start to enter various phases of reopening and increased contact, we might be a little uncomfortable interacting in person again. We get some insights and tips on how to navigate personal interactions from assistant professor of organizational behavior at Queen's University, Laura Reese. With schools, camps and daycares closed because of the pandemic, working parents are juggling full- time work with round-the-clock child care, women are doing a large amount of the child minding these days, and some are simply not returning back to the workforce. We find out the impact of this on women and on the economy from the CEO of Toronto Financial International, Jennifer Reynolds. Canada Revenue Agency announcing it was the target of two separate cyber attacks that compromised the information of about 5,600 Canadians. What should you do if you were a victim of a CRA cyber attack? We find out from the BBB. Last night, Democrats across the U.S. formally nominated Joe Biden as their 2020 presidential nominee. Global's Washington correspondent Reggie Cicchini joins us with the details. And a study out of the University of Alberta says viewing your life from an observer's perspective could help your memory recall of events and details. We get the details on this fascinating new study from U of A psychology assistant professor Peggy Saint-Jacques.
1: Partly cloudy and 16 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 6 o'clock. I'm Tony King. Calgary Fire investigators are probing the cause after a two alarm house fire in Citadel last night. Crews were met with smoke and flames when they arrived at Citadel Point Northwest at around 9 p.m. Keith Stahl with Calgary Fire says there were no injuries.
2: Four homes were evacuated, all four homes were attached and there was damage to three of the four,
1: some with smoke and fire and some with only smoke. A second alarm was turned in due to the confined space in which firefighters had to work. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR, helicopter traffic brought to you by Truman.
3: Overall, things are looking pretty good out there on your roads. Deerfoot, Glenmore, and Crowchild all sitting problem and delay free. I am seeing a small slowdown on southbound Stony trails you pass through that paving in the northwest at Nose Hill Drive. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that and see if those delays develop into anything bigger. Already earning PC Optimum points on groceries and health and beauty? Well, you can earn even faster when you fuel up at Esso and mobile stations. Visit PCOptimum.ca for details. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.
1: The heat warning remains in effect for today, but it should end tonight. Mainly sunny today, the high 30 degrees. Clear overnight, the low 14. Tomorrow, mixed sun and cloud with a risk of evening thunderstorms and a high of 26. More of the same on Friday with a high of 25. Currently in downtown Calgary, it's 16 degrees. With kids due back in class in less than two weeks, the province is still working on a set of guidelines to deal with possible COVID-19 outbreaks in schools. Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Dina Hinshaw was asked yesterday what it would take to re-examine the resumption of in-person learning in schools, especially considering the rising number of coronavirus cases in Edmonton. There
4: is no fixed threshold at this time. Uh, but we would work again with the Ministry of Education, with individual school boards, and we are watching very closely the case counts in Edmonton. As you mentioned, it has crossed the 50 per 100,000 active cases mark. There are no additional public health measures required at this time in Edmonton.
1: Hinshaw says those complete guidelines for schools to deal with potential outbreaks will be available next week. Meanwhile, she is asking that 90,000 teachers and school staff throughout Alberta get tested for COVID 19 before the school bells ring. Dozens protested the government's school reentry plan outside the education minister's Red Deer office yesterday. They're concerned the plan doesn't take into account special situations for vulnerable students. Educational assistant Elaine Cardinal worries there won't be enough EAs in classrooms this year as a result of government cuts.
5: Are our classrooms set up safe enough for our students with special needs? They come with such a bundle of needs. With the cuts that this government has made to education, we are going to be at a huge loss.
1: Among the demands is that each public board offer a home learning plan for children with complex needs and emotional supports and counsellors available to children at school. Meanwhile, Education Minister Adriana LaGrange will be meeting with the head of the Alberta Teachers Association today to talk about the government's back-to-school plan. The City of Calgary is moving on to Phase 2 of its Responsible Pet Ownership Bylaw Review. Jennifer Lawler with the city says Phase 1 looked at a wide range of issues including urban wildlife, feral, stray and roaming cats, licensing and vicious dogs.
4: So what we heard from Calgarians in Phase 1 engagement is that they wanted some harsher penalties for problematic animals. And we looked through our municipal scan at what other municipalities were doing around that. And what we've done is we've listed out those different varieties of options for people's input.
1: Phase two is asking about whether there should be limits on the number of cats and dogs in a single home. The online survey will be available on the city's website for the next month. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ordered thousands of documents connected to the We Charity controversy to be handed over directly to the Commons Finance Committee being seen as an effort to get any controversy associated with them out of the way well before Parliament reopens following prorogation next month. Many of the documents support Trudeau's version of events that the federal public servants recommended we charity administer a student service grant program. But the documents also suggest that Youth Minister Bardish Chagger helped get we on her bureaucrats' radar... ...and political staff in Bill Morneau's office helped to keep it there. An evacuation centre has opened in Penticton for people living at more than 300 properties evacuated near Okanagan Falls. More than 3,600 properties in southeast Penticton have also been put on evacuation alert... We have more on that from Global's Jules Knox in Penticton.
3: Heavy smoke is billowing from the rapidly growing wildfire about six kilometres north of Okanagan Falls. On Tuesday afternoon, the regional district of Okanagan Similkameen placing 319 properties under evacuation order in the Heritage Hills area. The city announcing people at more than 3,600 properties in southeast Penticton must be prepared at a moment's notice to flee their homes. BC Wildfire Service saying the Christie Mountain fire is still expected to get bigger. From across the lake, trees could be seen candling. Air tankers also extremely active at the scene. The BC Wildfire Service saying the flames are burning in a very rocky, sloped terrain with limited access points for ground crews. As for the cause of the blaze, officials say that has not yet been determined. Jules Knox, Global News, near Penticton.
1: It's 6.06, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 6.30. I'm Tony
2: Kang. Good morning. I'm Jordan Witzel in the Global News Weather Centre. A beautiful day today, but again still in that heat warning. This is likely our last day of the uh, extreme heat. 30 degrees this afternoon with mainly sunny skies. Overnight tonight and into tomorrow though, cooling down. About 14 for tomorrow's low and a high of 26 degrees in the afternoon. Again, that should get us out of the heat warning. With a mix of sun and cloud, there is a risk of some thunderstorms Thursday evening. Into Friday, a mix of sun and cloud with a risk of afternoon thunderstorms. A high of 25 degrees and the weekend looks pretty settled a mix of sun and cloud through saturday and sunday with temperatures still in the mid-20s
0: and the news and weather brought to you by rocky ridge retirement community enjoy vibrant seniors living now for more information visit rockyridgeretirement.com. 607. I'm Sue DL. This is the morning news on 770 CHQR. Thank you for being part of the show with us. Uh, we always have your text line uh, open and ready for your comments. 403-974-8255. Coming up at 6.40 this morning, we'll check in with David Aiken from Global News, talking about the cabinet shuffle that happened yester- yesterday in Ottawa. What uh, could be the result? Some of the fallout from that. At 7.49, we're talking about cyber attacks. What if you're a victim or how to avoid being so? That in information on the way for you. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're talking about how to calmly navigate personal interactions during COVID-19 as we all start to get ready to go back to work and back to school. We're not used to being outside of our bubble much anymore. We'll talk about how to uh, how to make your way through all of those interactions and how you can uh, maybe just remember how to keep your distance and, and be safe out there. That's on the way for you coming right up. It is uh, first though time for helicopter traffic at 6.07 It is brought to you by West District by Truman. Life happens at HelloWestDistrict.com.
3: Deerfoot Trail sitting at a nine-minute drive southbound off the QE2 down towards Memorial Drive. Northbound lanes also sitting delay and problem-free out of Mackenzie Town and Mackenzie Lake all the way up to 17th Avenue. If you're continuing into the downtown core, Memorial Drive, a great option off of Deerfoot Trail towards the 4th Avenue flyover. Once you're in downtown, keep in mind there's ongoing construction at Center Street and 3rd Avenue southeast, so just south of the Bow River. You're going to see two-way traffic in effect there, as well as lane closures on 17th Avenue between Cloud Trail and 14th Street to help out with physical distance various right lane closures in both directions. Rush to your Subaru dealer for great rates starting from 0.5% at the Subaru staycation sale. Plus enjoy a lease bonus of up to $1,000. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. 609 now and thanks
0: to COVID we've slowly built new routines centered on being at home or by ourselves in our own little bubbles but as we start to enter various phases of reopening and increased contact there are some out there who may feel uncomfortable interacting in person once again so with some details on how we might make it way our way through that uh, we're joined by assistant professor of organizational behavior at Queen's University Laura Reese good morning Laura Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, we're not talking about how to just you know socialize so much as what do you do if maybe somebody comes near you wants to give you a hug, or they're standing too close to you at work, or or getting into a, an elevator. Say those are the kind of interactions we're talking about. Correct. That's exactly
4: right. And it's, it's, it's great that you bring that up because one of the, the interesting things I think about this COVID situation is that we negotiate every day, all day. We just don't think about it in that sense. But now that we haven't been interacting in the same way, kind of going back to what we or trying to go back closer to what we used to consider normal now really feels really different. Um, and, and it's kind of making it more salient, I think, that we do need to negotiate some of those sort of rules of interpersonal interaction that we're, we're really just not used to having to negotiate.
0: What do you think is key? Is it sort of, you know, before we even leave our homes and, and get back out into the world, is, is to prepare and, and maybe plan ahead as to what we're going to do? Should someone try to give you a hug or, or just figuring out what you're going to do when you go back to the office, for example? That's exactly right. I think practice and planning beforehand are the two most
4: important steps to any negotiation. The more you can sort of think through different scenarios, have a backup plan. In the article, we talk, I talk about how it's called a BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And it's the thing that you'll do. And simply having that comfort of thinking, if this situation happens, then I'll do this behavior, gives you sort of psychologically and physically even a really concrete alternative that makes it less stressful in the moment than when you're faced with a situation um, that in this case you would have anticipated or even practiced for and that then makes it less stressful if you hadn't tried to think through some of those options beforehand.
0: Is a great point and you're referring to uh, an article in theconversation.com and, and psychological comfort I mean it can really you know start playing on your mind if you if you start thinking about those scenarios and you don't have a plan before you even get to them you've kind of psyched yourself out.
4: Right, right. And the more you can sort of deal with that in advance and think, I, I, I have this, I know what to do, I have several options, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in my ability to handle this situation, that actually reduces the threat and in the stressful situation, even if it's not exactly the scenario that you imagined, it's close enough that you can immediately think of a few options. And we know that you know, we in, in a stressful situation, if we haven't practiced it or haven't run through it, we tend to, to fall back on, on what's called overlearned routine. So mm-hmm. this kind of knee-jerk reactions, automatic reactions. And so the more you can actually to sort of practice and think through positive overlearned routines that you want to engage, the more helpful it will be. We see this all the time in firefighters and medical personnel and et cetera who practice those stressful situations so that they have an option and, and sort of have rehearsed those those
0: alternatives before they even approach the scene. Hey, it's a new world, so we need to uh, start thinking about that and practicing what might happen when we go back to work, back to st- school, et cetera. And I think you know, one of the keys in the article too is that w- we shouldn't take it personally because. Everybody has a different situation, whether it's their own health, their family, how they're feeling in terms of comfort over this virus, and and we need to respect that, right? Yes, exactly, and we
4: can't know everything that another person is facing, and so when you sort of take a step back and really think about the situation from a problem-solving perspective, it makes it less tense, it makes it less personal, it's more, hey, we're in this situation, maybe we didn't mean to be, but how do we address this so that we both walk away whole, we can both walk away happy and safe? So that we can address, you know, my concerns for, for X, Y, Z, but also those concerns that I don't know that you have or the reasons for your behavior that can also make you walk away whole too.
0: I like that you sort of refer to it as a micro negotiation because not only is it one within yourself and your own mind, but with all of those that you're going to encounter as you're wandering around the world these days.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I tell my students all the time when I teach negotiation particularly, it's often something that we don't like. Uh, most people just really think that they don't enjoy negotiations. But I think that part of that is a problem of how we tend to think about negotiations. When you realize that you're actually doing it all day, every day, if you've ever agreed with a friend about what activity to do or with a family member about who's doing some chore, th- those are all negotiations. And so when you sort of, when you put it in that perspective, you take away a bit of the mystique the stress of thinking. I need to figure out what to do in this tense negotiation situation. It's no, you you actually have been practicing this your entire life.
0: So true. So your advice moving forward? Do you have any uh, a couple of tips for us, maybe to, to, to you know think about as we as we head into this new world as, of, of going back really in September.
4: Right. You know the the only thing I would offer is is just to say I think the joy of human behavior is that when you're dealing with humans, there's no there's never a single right answer that will always work. So again, sort of thinking about. Every interaction is as a, as a micro negotiation and practicing and planning and, and getting in that problem solving mindset really can help you, I guess, enjoy the process a little bit more and, and really take other people's perspectives to be kind to each other. It's, it's really easy, I think, in this time to let our emotions get carried away instead of being productive with them to, to get kind of swept up in the moment. And the more you can actually think about it as, as a mutual
0: problem that you can solve and keep you both happy. Um, Often that works really, really well. Great points. Thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. That's Laura Reese, Assistant Prof of Organizational Behavior at Queen's University in Ontario. Are you concerned about, you know, are you maybe going back to work in September or are you going to be in an environment, whether it's school, work, whatever it might be, where you'll be around people more and you're you're kind of worried about it? I know I've talked to a lot of parents who are worried their kids are going back to school, they'll be around people more and they're a little bit hesitant about it because it's just a, a new world for us, right? So is that something that's that's bothering you or do you have any advice you want to share with us? You can text Let us know how you're feeling about that. Um, As we look to the West and we look into BC, they're looking at some stricter penalties and perhaps even police enforcement over COVID-19 regulations in British Columbia. And uh, they've had some spiking numbers there and they are looking at maybe some penalties for rule breakers. The minister, Adrian Dix, said they are meeting to map out a surveillance and enforcement plan. That plan will come into effect later this week. And uh, he said after it's announced by the province's attorney general, they'll put it into practice. And that could mean stricter penalties. Local police might even be part of that enforcement program. They say they don't want to let a few wreck it for the great majority. So that's the reason they are taking action. Now here in Alberta, you heard some of the numbers yesterday from Dr. Dina Hinshaw, putting some context behind the numbers as the province's schools get ready to reopen. And the our province's top doctor saying that we have to understand the, the numbers as they've given them out. Um, Alberta over the past week averaging about two new cases per 100,000 population per day. That compares with average rates of more than 25. 25- New daily cases per 100,000, say, in Florida, Georgia and Texas where school reopening issues have been identified. So, I mean, we are in good shape here. We've gotten a handle on that little bit of a spike that we started to see at the beginning of August. And I think, you know, we just have to remember... Yes, the death rate, is, it's, it's small and it's affecting our aged population, our seniors. So we need to be aware that it's you know, more about avoiding the sickness, passing it on if at all possible, trying to keep things under control. And frankly, for me as a parent, trying to keep my kids healthy going back to school. It's at 6.17 now and it's time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains.
3: In the Northwest, seeing delays on southbound Stony Trail approaching the paving at Nose Hill Drive. It's a small slowdown right now. We'll keep an eye on it and see if it uh, builds into anything more serious. But right now, things are moving just a little bit slower than normal. Westbound 16th Avenue, also seeing a delay around Beaufort Road due to some lane closures in the area for construction. Things do open up, though, as you head out onto the Trans-Canada Highway. Crowchild Trail moving smoothly out of the Northwest. It's a 10-minute drive from Stony Trail down towards the Bow River construction zone. And it looks like both Memorial Drive boat trail, heading off Crowchild towards downtown, nice and smooth towards 14th. A message from Canadian Blood Services. Blood donors are needed to fill over 1,400 appointments in Calgary this month. Appointments are required. Book now at blood.ca. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.
0: It's 7.09 now, Wednesday morning and with schools, camps and daycares closed due to the pandemic, working parents are juggling full-time work with around the clock childcare. More often than not, women are doing a large amount of the child minding and some who've been laid off are simply not returning to the workforce. To find out more about the impact of this, we're joined this morning by Jennifer Reynolds, who's the CEO of Toronto Financial International, a firm aimed at boosting investment and encouraging women's participation in the workforce. Good Good morning jennifer good morning thanks so much for joining us so let's talk about that with women if women are staying home now what can the effect on the economy be if they're not getting back into the workforce
6: Well, it's actually an enormous economy. Prior to uh, the pandemic, women were contributing 42% of household income in Canada. So that's very significant to every family in Canada, obviously. Uh, But even more broadly, the bigger picture is that if we don't get women back working, we're not going to get the GDP growth, the economic growth that we need to really see a recovery because women play such a significant role in our economy. We're a huge driver of economic growth. Um, You know, the fact that women prior to this pandemic were actually our labour participation rates were at all-time highs. Uh, And that is really considered a huge driver of growth, not just in Canada, uh, but globally. Uh, so, So this is an issue for everybody. Every single family, every person in Canada needs to be thinking about getting women back to work.
0: At this time around, it is more so we're seeing unemployment rates for women much higher than men, which is it's often the opposite. And, and then, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a report last month from RBC saying that uh, the hit on women's employment unprecedented, one and a half million women in Canada losing their jobs just in the first two months of the pandemic. So what do we need to do in order to encourage women to get back at it?
6: Well, part of the problem was that if you think about that job loss, um, women lost actually equal amounts of jobs in March, April. But what has happened to men? But what has happened is men are returning to work and women are not. And the dynamic that there is that women were in largely service sectors. We dominate in things like food or accommodation, uh, whereas men... Uh, are in different types of jobs and those jobs have come back. So jobs like construction, for instance, um, they've returned to work at much higher rates than women have. So that's one dynamic is where were women working and where are the jobs today? So some of those jobs just, they're not there. Um, The other dynamic though, is that many women actually aren't even looking to go back at this point. And of course, uh, childcare is one of the key factors there that uh, if they don't have childcare, if schools don't reopen, they are staying home they're staying home to take care of their kids and they don't feel that they have an option and particularly if they work outside the home uh they certainly can't return to work Mm -hmm. and even those who who are trying to do their jobs from home it's very difficult to be caring for particularly small children while trying to get on a video conference call or, or or get some work done so that's actually really disturbing that women are completely dropping out of the workforce um and and The issue is not, there's an issue today. As I said earlier, obviously that means there's less income for the family. So that's important to everyone. But I really believe that if women stay out of the workforce uh, for an extended period of time, this will set us back over the long term. Um, it's been a long, long struggle to get women working at higher rates, um, to get women into different sectors in the economy. Um, and if we, the longer we stay off, the harder it is to come back, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, it's tricky to get back in if you've been out for a year, two years, or, you know, God forbid, longer. Um, and you've lost that those wages. You've fallen behind in Your career, you're going to make less when you go back. Um, So to make that back up is is going to be a real struggle for women. So I think we're facing, um, you know, a real crisis. I I think we're facing women falling back significantly relative to where we were pre-pandemic. So as we think about recovery, we have to make sure that policies and stimulus spending. Are targeted to make sure that everybody gets back to work, i.e., women. So, is there stimulus spending going to the sectors where women work? Right. Is there is there retraining? Because, quite frankly, some of these jobs may not come back. Right. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we may need to sort of retool, reskill part of the workforce, and so we need to really be thinking about that in terms of when we think about policy, when we think about initiatives, private sector can take. Uh, are we targeting? fairly and 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 having sort of a gender lens when we think about getting people back to work
0: so many points you bring up there i mean you know the glass ceiling for sure we've worked so hard as females to break that glass ceiling and to you know start to be more equal in so many different jobs and and to lose that you're right you're losing so much momentum and then you know of course as you said too you, you ch- child care costs is it worth going back to you know a lower paying job if you have to sort of start over again the child care costs just don't make it feasible for women to get back into the workforce sometimes.
6: Yeah, you know what I always respond to that, though? Because I I hear that argument often, even pre-pandemic. But I think the reality is, is even... And, you know, I've certainly felt this way at times, that everything's just going to childcare, right, when you're going to the office or going to work. Um, But even if you have a few years where it is like that, the reality is you're still in your career, and your career is still advancing. And then when you get to, you know, hopefully you get to a point where what you're earning will eventually um, increase over your childcare costs. But, Mm -hmm. you know, your kids do grow up, right? True. And and then you're going to find yourself, you know, in my case, I have teenagers now. So, you know, childcare is a little bit different when you have teenagers from when you have Um, you know, young children. And so staying in and, and continuing your career is actually over the long term uh, really important to first of all your you know your own personal um, mental health yeah mental health for sure self worth but then you know overall to your your income for your family um, I, I really do think that it makes a difference and you know more broadly it makes a difference to the economy right because if women are working we're also spending money right. buying we're the consumers so yeah. um, it's good for everyone if, if we're out working.
0: It is, is it affected females are that's the stats of entrepreneurs are there a lot of women who are entrepreneurs sort of maybe working from home small businesses and and i think in my world anyway my partner and a lot of people that we know have lost those small you know entrepreneurial positions and jobs and businesses that they started through this pandemic and, and how do you build that back up that's an, another question too
6: yeah and when I was talking about what, when we think about stimulus spending or who we're helping as we try to recover in our economy, small and medium sized businesses are, are one that we really need to target because to your point, many women are working in small and medium sized businesses, their own business or even you know in someone else's business that may employ three four people uh, so getting funding to those people and allowing them to to stay afloat throughout this period and hopefully recover and grow again uh, is very important. We also see a lot of women working in the not-for-profit and charity sectors, there are about 70% of the employees in those sectors. So, again, there's something we need to think about. Are We don't want all of those charities and not-for-profits to go under because that's another area where women uh, won't regain their employment uh, in those areas. Plus, those organizations do, do some good work, mm-hmm. um, and we need them. So these are the types of things we really need to think about is how we target um, support as we go forward. It's not
0: just a, there isn't one answer. I think we really need to be smart about the support that we provide. The New York Times refers to this phenomenon as a she-session, not just a recession, but a she-session. So is this, is it time for us to pressure the government to get support for women then to get them back to work? Is that what our next step has to be?
6: Absolutely. Uh, We need to be, this can't be an issue that we think about a year from now, two years from now, it'll be too late. We've got to be doing it today. Uh, As we think about recovery, we have to make sure that that an important part of that is getting women back to work. I mean, think about it. Women have been 50% of the university graduates for 30 years now. Uh, We're we're an important, you know, if you leave everyone, all of us on the bench, so to speak, um, you're leaving an important part of the the workforce behind here. So it is critical um, that we get women back to work at the same rates that we're getting men back to work. And, you know, one thing to think about, too, is which sectors women are working in. And, and I think there's probably um, some good work we could do to get better diversity across sectors because we do find women dominate in lower paying jobs, in, in lower paying sectors. And so we should be thinking about that uh, from an economic perspective too. Why, if we have a very highly educated workforce of women, are we ending up in sectors that, that pay far less? Mm-hmm. So we should be thinking about how we drive women into those higher paying, higher productivity jobs, technology jobs, for instance, you know, jobs generally, the science, technology, engineering, math, you know, you always hear that, why don't we have more women in those areas? Um, you know, th- those will be the jobs of the future. And we really need to think about getting women not just back to work, but hopefully in jobs of the future, and jobs which really put them on equal footing and, and, and provide sort of economic equality as well for women.
0: Fantastic points. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. That's Jennifer Reynolds, CEO of Toronto Financial International. It's TFI.ca. It's 7.17, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, a community connected to its city.
7: Drive is moving well off of both Crochetal Trail and Deerfoot. If you're, uh, if that's going to be on your route, we are also checking out uh, Child Trail itself out of the northwest southbound lane sitting at 10 minutes from Stony Trail down towards the Bow River. Uh, Northbound lanes out of the southwest, uh, sitting at about five minutes from Glenmore Trail up towards the Bow Trail exit ramp. You are dealing with a little bit of that glare factor though on Bow Trail as you head eastbound towards Ninth Avenue, so that'll be something to keep in mind. Uh, but Glenmore Trail, that's also moving well through the southwest East Lane City at eight minutes from Sarsie Trail out towards Deerfoot. The Big Spin $5 scratch ticket is here, and you can spin a big wheel for a chance to win $500,000. Available at your lottery retailer up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter. I'm Freddie Howard.
0: 7.49 now, the Canada Revenue Agency announcing it was a target of two separate cyber attacks. About 5,600 consumer accounts were compromised. Uh, so what do you do if you were perhaps a victim of a CRA cyber attack or any other kind of attack like that? With tips and answers, we're joined this morning by communications specialist with the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Alberta and East Kootenay, Shauna K. Thomas. Hi, Shauna K. Hi. Good so morning. Thank you so much for joining us. So, I mean, that was big news that uh, the federal government announced. That's a fifty-six hundred consumer accounts compromised. What do people do if they think because they wouldn't even perhaps know at this point quite yet till they receive that letter in the mail that they may have been compromised? What do you do? Right. So that's a lot of
5: information out there in the hands of hackers, scammers, and so we recommend that people check with their, the credit bureaus, the major credit bureaus. And just put a, a freeze or an alert on your account. Um, a freeze we recommend because when you do a freeze, it means nobody who has your information can take out credit in your name. If there's no freeze and you're a victim of that attack, um, people can take out credit in your name. And, and so on. An alert will just flag to say there was some fraudulent activity with your account, and so they will keep an eye on it for you. So we recommend that you do place a freeze on your account. And um, some people may know already that they have been a victim uh, because they will see that their address was changed or some kind of information on their account was changed. We also recommend that you, um, if the password that you used for your CRA account, you've used it across multiple platforms, you go in and you change those passwords. Because it now means that people who have that password can access all those other accounts that you have online. Those are the two top things that we recommend that people do at the moment.
0: If I put a freeze on my account, can I access it still?
5: Right. So when there's a freeze on your account, you won't be accessed unless you lift that freeze.
0: So you Um, can't do anything with it.
5: So you can't do anything with it and neither can scammers, hackers, whoever else is trying to. Um, So whenever you need the service, then you can lift that freeze and then go, go on with doing your business.
0: So is that really the first step, bottom line, whether you're sure or unsure you've been a victim of this cyber attack or any is to change your password? change your passwords. make sure the password that you're now using online is totally different. And when
5: you're changing your password, recommend that you, we say make it long and strong, hard to break. So it could be a phrase, something from a song, a news headline that sticks with you. And you mix it with letters, with numbers, with special characters, just so that it's harder to break. Your name, your date of birth, your street number that you grew up on. Those are not recommendations for passwords. Um, because those are easily, you know, people can easily guess those ones. And 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 be careful of what we're putting out online as well. There are some fun games that we play on social media, for example, and they ask some of these questions. We street did you grow up on? What was your high school? And those are usually the questions that we use to access online accounts. Those are usually the security questions. So if you're putting that information out there on social media, it means that people have access to it. And scammers are, they're scouting everywhere they can to get access to people's personal information.
0: Great reminders. Thanks for trying to keep us safe. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. That's Shauna K. Thomas, Communications Specialist with the Better Business Bureau in Southern Alberta and East Kootenai. It's bbb.org. Coming up on 8.12 now on your Wednesday morning and last night, Democrats across the U.S. formally nominated Joe Biden as their 2020 presidential nominee. Biden will deliver his acceptance speech on Thursday night, but lots more to come before that. And joining us with all the details is Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington correspondent. Hi, Reggie. Good morning. Where are you? Are you actually anywhere near where the convention should be held?
2: Yeah, we are in uh, Wilmington, Delaware this morning, uh, only about a couple of hundred feet from the Chase Center, uh, where Kamala Harris will be speaking tonight, where Joe Biden will be speaking tomorrow night. Uh, And it kind of comes after that whirlwind around the U.S. trip that was done virtually last night uh, that really kind of took everyone to every corner of the U.S. and its territories uh, as they threw their votes, delegates, and nomination uh, directly behind Joe Biden and Kamala Harris.
0: Your thoughts on the... the, the well a virtual democratic convention so far it's been really quite interesting to watch are you as a reporter are all of you sort of outside looking in as well kind of like we are at home
2: yeah, look, this is a new way for everyone to be kind of covering and be a part of these conventions. Uh, watching it virtually being, you know, it, it almost makes it feel like the convention is taking place in your living room because it's a much more uh, intimate and personal uh, conversation that people on stage, or at least on these virtual stages, are having with the American public. It's not this kind of individual podium surrounded by 10 and 20,000 people in an arena. It really does have that more uh, emotional connection, uh, which is really what the Democrats are trying to go for. Uh, and we saw that last night, especially with those delegate nominations when we saw each state individually either represented by a state leader uh, or by somebody from the community saying that this is why they want to uh, put Donald Trump out of office and why they want to throw uh, Joe Biden into the Oval. It really is uh, a much more interesting way to be watching these conventions roll out.
0: And boy, they have rolled out some of the big names, Clinton, Obama, both Hillary and Bill, both Obamas and Bernie Sanders as well, and some big name Republicans have been speaking out against Donald Donald Trump in support of the Democrats, too. That's been interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, to have last night former Secretary of State Colin Powell and the wife of John McCain, Cindy McCain, get up and speak behind uh, a Democrat who is trying to become the president of the United States goes to show that there's a fear of the GOP uh, that that, that people feel has been hijacked by Donald Trump uh, and a reminder that there is still some establishment of the old Republican Party that exists still and they're standing behind someone that they think will be able to work with both sides uh, of the aisle, no matter what the political stripe is. Uh, which is why we've seen over the past couple of nights big Republican names on the ticket uh, joining uh, kind of the, the progressive side uh, of this uh, of this party as well, including AOC and Bernie Sanders and tonight Elizabeth Warren, showing that Joe Biden has the ability uh, in their eyes to build bridges to allow everyone to walk back and forth and have a, commu- a conversation.
0: What's been the response from the president himself? Uh, he's on a bit of a tour as well, kind of trying to uh, offset what's happening with the Democrats. But has he been tweeting up a storm on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, yesterday he, he's he been kind of counter-programming this for the last couple of days at least, but yesterday his comments towards Michelle Obama saying that her speech was divisive, you know, one of the very few that was actually speaking out against uh, her speech. Uh, this morning he's kind of pushed back a little bit and has, has switched his tone. He's talking about big pharma. He's talking about things that uh, he says that he wants to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, the president is trying to just take the spotlight and put it on himself with his travel into some key swing states. Last night, uh, taking a trip down to the U.S. border to talk about the wall and border security, really trying to kind of take that spotlight, put it on himself, give his base something to rally up against, uh, especially since he has so many members of the former GOP party speaking out against him uh, within the last few days.
0: Have there been any new polling numbers out, Reggie, in terms of uh, support for Trump versus Biden?
2: Well, I mean, look, the last couple of days we saw polls come out that showed that there was a narrowing gap between Biden and and uh, and Donald Trump. Uh, the closest gap came from a CNN poll that showed it was down to four points. But nationally, when you're looking at the aggregate, it still shows that Joe Biden has an eight or nine point lead over Donald Trump. And with only about 75 days to go until the election, there is uh, fewer and fewer days for President Trump now to try and build up some kind of support, especially considering their convention starts up next week and we still don't know how it's going to take place if it's going to be in person, how many times the president's going to speak and what their list of speakers is going to look like. Uh, they're, they're really trying to trying to scramble right now to build some of that kind of faltering and failing support uh, that the president's been seeing over the last few weeks now.
0: We know uh, Biden will accept the nomination formally tomorrow night. What do you think that will look like? Is, this, is it expected to be a powerful speech? I guess that's what the Democrats certainly hope for.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a big speech. This is a speech that Joe Biden has been wanting to make for decades, uh, considering that this is you know, not his first go at trying to become president of the United States. This is going to be a powerful speech. It will draw on his history, draw on his time uh, as vice president under Barack Obama and what he wants the future of this country to look like once he is able, uh, in his eyes, to remove Donald Trump. It'll play off the tones that we hear from Kamala Harris tonight. We know that she's been working on that speech since the day that she was chosen as the second name on that ticket, uh, and it's going to kind of just build on this this emotional roller coaster that the Democrats have really been on. They're, they're kind of separated with this progressive wing and the moderate wing in the middle, and Joe Biden's really going to try to bring it all together to say, look, we may have our ideological differences inside this party, but we can work together to bring the country to what it once was, and I think those are the tones that you're going to hear tonight, not only from Barack Obama, from Hillary Clinton, but from Kamala Harris and from Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. All eyes on Senator Kamala Harris tonight. It's going to be an interesting one. Thanks for joining us, Reggie. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That's Reggie Cicchini, Global's Washington correspondent. 8.17 now, and it's time for Helicopter Traffic. It's brought to you by West District by Truman, Calgary's newest and best master-planned community.
7: Hills Boulevard just after 14th Street by the McDonald's and just before you reach the community of Coventry. It looks like they've got westbound lane shut down right now, so if you're in the area, you'll need to find an alternate. Or actually, as I look at it now, it looks like they've just actually reopened it. So just the left lane is now open on westbound Country Hills Boulevard as you make your way through to Coventry. Still emergency crews are out in the area walking around, so extra caution as you head through. Also want to watch out for a collision in uh, the community of of Highland Park, westbound 40th Avenue at 4th Street Northwest, just off to the right side, causing a minor slowdown. Already earning PC Optimum points on groceries and health and beauty? Well, you can earn even faster when you fuel up at SO and mobile stations. Visit PCOptimum.ca for details. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.
0: 909 now, and according to a study out of the University of Alberta, adopting a third-person observer point of view when recalling your past activates different parts of your brain versus recalling a memory seen through your own eyes. To discuss, we are joined by Peggy St. Jacques, assistant professor in the Faculty of Science's Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta. She's also co-author on this study. Good morning, Peggy. Hi Sue, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. Thanks for joining us. Can you explain a little bit? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, recalling where you left your car keys. We're talking about more of a a long-term recollection, are we? That's absolutely right. What we're talking about are memories from our personal past. So what we typically
4: think of, uh, of memories are autobiographical memories.
0: So like our childhood, for example?
4: Um well in this particular study we focused on a more recent period looking okay. at the last 5 years so thinking about you know what you did last summer you know on your vacation for example you know, a particular really memorable uh, date on that vacation.
0: And what did you find? Because some of us can recall memories to the nth detail and others, and I put myself in this category, I can barely remember what happened yesterday. So why do we remember differently and, and what can we do to change that? Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, You know, there's uh, characteristics of the individual themselves that can um, influence how we remember, and some people are just really good at that. And one reason may be that they're very good at imaging their memory kind of in their mind's eye, um, and um, they retain that vividness of the memory. And that seems to help people to adopt that own eyes perspective, that first-person viewpoint on their memory. Whereas other people, you know... um, uh, they their memories tend to fade more quickly uh, over time, and they may adopt more an observer perspective or tend to do that.
0: So, what is the best way for us then to is it is it how we actually live the experience at the time, or is it how we try to think back and remember later? It can be a little bit of both. Um, So the way that we attend to
4: information, you know, when we're forming those memories is definitely important. Um, But also as we're kind of, if we rehearse those memories more frequently, we know that that's going to enhance those memories.
0: So, talk about what that really looks like you know, as you look at a memory from a third person perspective, this is what you've written the paper on, and if you can explain it to us so we can maybe that that we can use that technique to try and remember better ourselves you know as we move forward in our world. Yeah, absolutely. So I see the third person perspective as if you're looking at your memory
4: um, and you're seeing yourself as if you're looking at a photograph of that event almost. Um, so it's like you're taking a step back. You know, seeing yourself in the scene as if you're kind of watching an actor or something in that that memory. Um, so that's different from our own eyes perspective, where we're literally kind of stepping back into our own shoes and viewing that event as we originally uh, typically experienced that event.
0: That's a fascinating way to look at it because you know I know so many people who can remember entire movies basically, and and all the lines mm-hmm. from them, and and maybe you know, that's a good way, you're right, to, to sort of look at our lives or, or our past so that we can, you know, recall some of the, the details more clearly.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think what we are seeing is that our, our working hypothesis is, you know, when we switch our perspective like that, it can allow us to see the memory in a new way. Um, And I think that's really important for understanding how when we retrieve memories that can
0: help us to cope with those those events in our past. Did you find anything new about how the brain works then or or did you sort of just rely on information that we know about the brain and, and put that towards your research?
4: Um, Well, what we did find is that uh, the the new thing here is that uh, when we take at this observer perspective, it seems to really change the way we retrieve memories quite early in the process. And we found that, you know, the regions like that help us to combine and integrate details and then create that memory in our mind's eye, that those interact much earlier during retrieval. And that might help
0: us to see the past in a new way. What do you? What, uh, sorry, for finish up. But I, I was excited to ask you my next yeah, question. But yeah. <laughs> finish up what you were going to say.
4: Absolutely. So we think that this suggests that our viewpoint can change the way that we can reconstruct, reconstruct or put
0: together our memories. So what was the purpose of your paper? Is it? Is it because I, I'm sort of thinking now that could this potentially lead to you know helping al- Alzheimer's patients, for example?
4: Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, we, we do, in this particular paper, we were just looking at um, healthy young adults and trying to understand how perspective is changing the way our brain interacts. Um, but I think there's some important extensions of this work um, that we would need to look at. So with something like Alzheimer's or as we age, uh, we do know there can be some changes in the way that we are immersed in the world and in and our viewpoint. And, and one of the common aspects with Alzheimer's is Sometimes people can get lost and have a sense of dis- disorientation, um, and that may be linked to this ability to adopt different perspectives and, and to interact in our space.
0: So from what you have learned, what advice would you give us as we move through our lives?
4: Um, well, I guess the advice would be, um, you know, if you rehearse your memories from an own eyes perspective, that's going to retain that, that vivid quality, Um, But on the other hand, you know, if there's some events that are troubling to you that have an intense kind of negative emotion associated with them, you might want to step back a bit. And that could help you to kind of see that memory in a new light or even reduce
0: the intensity of those emotions. A fascinating study. Thank you so much for sharing your information. Thank you very much. That's Peggy St. Jacques. She's the assistant professor at the Faculty of Sciences Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta and a co-author on that paper about recalling memories and maybe different ways to recall things. And a texture just says, that's exactly the way I remember things is through pictures and watching in your mind. In my mind, says this texture. So maybe that's something that, you know, I'm terrible at remembering certain things. Other things, useless information, I seem to recall, no problem. But, you know, maybe that's, you know, we we have to start looking at things or remembering back uh, as if we're watching a movie. How many people in your world do you know that can recall movie lines or entire scenes of movies? That's fascinating to me. I think that's a a really neat way to start trying to think perhaps and and improve our memory moving forward because we all are starting to lose a little bit of that uh, recall ability as we get older, aren't we? Uh, Definitely uh, mentioned uh, about the uh, filming going on in Kensington this morning that may affect you in that area. Just wanted to also mention there are a couple of uh, other things being filmed. A movie in Alberta. They are filming out in the Badlands, out near Drumheller, the Shark Saurus. I don't know if you uh, caught episode one. It sounds like it was fantastic. But they are producing a sequel to the 2014 Alberta monster movie that really garnered quite a cult following, apparently. So they are filming Sharkasaurus out in uh, Drumheller. And uh, that is underway now. Pretty much uh, an Alberta cast and crew that is working out there. So a heads up for you. And also they are filming a TV show in Alberta. It's called Pipe Nation. It's a TV show that will uh, cast Alberta oil and gas workers to to show a a real true example of what our industry is like and what it's all about. People who actually live and work in that world will be in it. It's, it's, as I said, a TV series. Pipe Nation is uh, what it's called. It's being filmed in Sundry right now. And... um, It looks like it could be really interesting, actually. Uh, They are going to uh, talk to real-life people, film some of the uh, real-world experiences. It's meant to spotlight the colourful nature of some of the individuals that work in uh, oil and gas out on the front lines for sure. And filming of the pilot will be completed by the end of August. And then they're hoping for streaming services to pick it up for a 10-episode season. Pipe Nation, look for that on television soon. 7 it's a 917 excuse me and it's time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman main streets highlight 20 foot sidewalks and integrated bike paths
3: Westbound Country Hills Boulevard just before you reach Coventry. There's a rollover blocking off the right lane, so it's going to be a little bit slow passing by that with just the left lane open, um, but nothing more than a couple of minutes. Also in the northeast, watch for a collision 27th Avenue and 23rd Street. And over in the northwest, we've got a couple of issues. There is a collision eastbound 16th Avenue approaching Sarsi Trail. That's causing delays of a couple of minutes and another one on westbound 40th Avenue at 4th Street Northwest. This is right by James Fowler High School. Also had a collision southbound Crowchild Trail at 33rd Avenue Southwest, that has been cleared up though. Visit Shoppers Drug Mart today for the bonus redemption event and get more for your points at Shoppers Drug Mart exclusive. Restrictions apply, details in store. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Reddy Howard.
1: Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.